and talking to our friends. Hellboy Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Jay Aubrey Loveless, secret agent, a sword and air. <laughs> I'm Danielle. And I'm Ross Radke. It's Ross Radke. All right, Ross, Ross is here. Yeah, thank you so much, Ross, for coming Yay. on our Halloween crossover spectacular. Is that what this is? Yes, because this is going to be the episode that comes out the week of Halloween. Oh, that's fun. And it's Ah. also the last week of your awesome Kickstarter. Congratulations on meeting your goal for the Kickstarter. Oh, man. So excited. Can't wait for it. Congratulations, Ross. There's still more that we're trying to push through on this final week. You want to talk a little bit about that, Ross? Yeah, so we we hit our funding goal, so we're good there. Uh, This thing's definitely going to get made. Um, it's actually already been all drawn and everything, and I've sent the yes. pages off to the letterer. Wow. Um, awesome. So, yeah, it should have wow. a pretty quick turnaround. And, you know, like, I'll be honest, like, I did not know how this was going to do, um, given the current situation with, you know, the pandemic sure, and yeah. even, like, just how many awesome comic book Kickstarters there are right now. Right. Uh, getting lost in the crowd. So I'm. We're all kind of shuffling back and forth the same 20 bucks to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's kind of how it sure. feels. <laughs> so, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with how it's doing. I'm curious to see how this last week goes. I added a stretch goal. I w- originally wasn't going to do this, but I was kind of getting some feedback of people who were asking me more about Kim Corgan, who's my character from the first issue. Oh, yeah. yeah she's great. So, yeah. I decided that I would go ahead and throw out there as a stretch goal um, doing another short story with her nice. that also connects with the other story in issue one. So I would it's like gonna to see that. it's going to be a that. follow-up for both stories. Nice. Um, so that's that's if we hit 4000 So we're about, at least when we're recording this, about $300 away. Oh man, that's great! Yeah, so we're getting close. That's it, though. I mean, I'm pretty, I'm happy with how it goes. If uh, if we hit that stretch goal, that'd be awesome. But uh, you know, honestly, if if we don't, I'm still going to be making comics or doing commissions. So awesome. And Either way, works for awesome. me. Commissions are amazing, by the way. I uh, recently commissioned you to do a bunch of super cool. I don't want to call them sketches because they're full color. They're completely totally rendered like right, they're when you actually say sketch card it, but it's different from what they yeah, actually and are so it's like you they're like paintings really i mean but you've you've used these uh super good quality super high quality uh markers for most of it and anyway but they're fantastic uh i was over the moon when i received them they were a gift for john for his birthday yeah, and it, it was, was so thoughtful just really amazing work you really outdid yourself so thank you so much for that so uh visit ross radke's website you know google him and he's got a way you can he's doing commissions so yeah. it's unbelievably affordable commissions you need to raise your prices but seriously no they're super <laughs> incredible quality work cannot believe it so i think john pointed out last episode which th- thank you guys for all the support that you've given me by the way like it's thank you for the amazing art are you kidding like <laughs> But you mentioned like yeah most most of the reward tiers for Stomped the Kickstarter uh, include original art hey at, you know different sizes and black and white or color damn so yeah if, if anyone wants get in on that thinking about getting a piece of original art back Stomped and you know that's you get a comic 
on top of it. You get so. a comic on top of original art. Yeah. Ridiculous. That's really great. It's a ridiculously good deal. It, it really is. And I've already yeah. decided, Ross, yeah. what I'm what my commission is gonna be. Do you wanna know now or do you... Yeah, you can tell me. Um I really want you to do Nimue with the crown. Oh my god. With the so three good. raven oh. crown. Oh. I think that's that would be one. amazing, oh, especially uh, in the black and white. I think that that's going to be awesome. So that's kind of what I was like. I had a bunch of ideas, and yes. then after Danielle commissioned this awesome piece, <laughs> I was like, well, I can scratch a bunch of these ideas off already because now they're already included here. So, yeah, definitely Nimue with that crown oh, with the man. three ravens. I'd love to see your take on that. I have not decided what mine is going to be. That's going to so, be, um, be legendary. I'll probably, like, as I'm sitting there emailing you, I'll probably be like, uh, no, this, uh, this, this. this. Oh, and, yeah. then hit, <laughs> and then I'll hit send, and then we'll both be surprised when I receive it. <laughs> I can't believe you're even talking to us. Like, what are you doing on this ridiculous show? What are you doing? We're having fun. We're reading Hellboy comics. Yeah, and we're having a good time. Talking to, our, talking friends. to our friends. I've been enjoying your your alphabetical superhero characters and villains and stuff. You've been posting on the Twitter and the Instagram. Nice. Oh man, it's such it's such a joy to see those every day. I'm, I'm having a lot of fun with the markers. So I'm using the Copic markers. So I've been drawing mostly digital for a while now. Okay. Um, and and so I've kind of been playing around with different mediums. Like I had I've been doing some of these watercolor paintings. Yeah. Um, doing some just like different types of inking brushes and pens. So I finally, I bought some cheap markers and I, no. I kind of liked them, yeah. but I was like, you know what, let's, let's go for the, you know, the high end stuff and see if there's a difference. And with yeah, markers, there's a, there's it's a, a huge difference. difference. Yeah. Yeah. But do you feel like that you buying the cheap markers will let you know that you like to use the markers before you invest it into the more expensive stuff? Yeah. Um, but I feel like. So having worked mostly digital and not having done much uh, traditional art, it was kind of like, like the painting, I just think I'm a little too much on the tighter controlling end of right. uh, like style-wise. And so there are certain pieces that I feel like would be fun to paint, but I feel like for a lot of what would be my natural inclinations as an artist right i find myself fighting against the medium a little bit right so um, you, you're not really yeah. into the whole aspect of like this happened and that's part of the process and that's part of what makes it the art part of it is the, the randomness of what might happen or um i think a lot of that also is like controlling it into the future I guess if that makes any sense, like you can always you can already anticipate what may or may not happen to a certain degree or a certain percentage mm -hmm. of like like the odds of this occurring when you make this certain movement or this certain brushstroke or use this brush or this paint or the ratio of water to paint and it's just it, it it's just it takes a lot of time when like when I saw your work with the markers I can't do that with markers I would have to get a lot of practice hours under my belt to even be halfway decent at it so. I feel like that's part of that is like you said you you have this this huge background in digital for you it translates really easily into markers did did you find that that was the case or yeah um, because and like I, a few things are sort of obvious like one I'm just I'm not super experienced with brushes in general you can get really controlled with a brush I just yeah I no that's so interesting though like you, that you yeah. uh, that you that you feel more 
comfortable and in control with with these markers because I'm I can't anticipate what they're going to do. I don't have enough practice. Like so, whenever I try to use mark, I don't practice with them enough to be any good at them. So I, whenever I use them, I'm so confused. I'm like, what is this going to do? Ah, that didn't do what I thought it would do. Because another thing too with the markers is I'm Copic has like over 500 colors or oh, something. It's amazing. They're beautiful like, to so, look at so in the I'm, art store, aren't they? I've invested in a couple dozen now. Nice. Um, but, you know, when you're working digital, you just pick what color you want, right? And, yeah. Yeah. You know, you can you can play around with it a can little bit. You can change, like, the opacity and the... Uh... Yeah. So the markers are kind of a good medium where it's, like, with the watercolor paints I was using, I had a very limited palette. So, huh. like, I have, like, a red, a yellow, a green... And I could try to like mix them and see if I could get the color I wanted, maybe. But so that's why I markers, like paints is that I can just make whatever yeah. color I want at all times. That's so interesting. I'm actually trying to teach myself how to use the uh, different type of blending markers out there. Like, I haven't invested in any copy yet because I want to learn how to use them before I invest the money in them. I was confused why they're so much more expensive than like the other markers that are out there. Until you use them the, or what? Well, yeah. So the, so the reason being... <laughs> The tips on them are just nicer. I, there's no other yeah. way to say it. Um, yep. And the the way that they blend together is pretty good. And then the the main thing though is they're refillable. So yeah. yes. So an individual marker might cost you know ten dollars more than the same color from another brand, but you could buy a refill that's going to refill it. I don't know how many times, like thirty times or something. Yeah. Versus the other marker when it goes dry, you're, you're having to buy another one. Well, when you and talked about out. fighting against your own tools, I feel like if you're fighting against something that's just not very good quality, you know, you're not really actually going to get a good handle on how to use that medium as much as you would. Like, obviously, if you're, if this is your first day with watercolors, no, don't go out and spend like $100 on watercolors. But, you know, if you've been doing it for a while, it's really incredible how much all that struggling kind of goes away. You know, when I got into my first like decent screen printing shop or whatever, you know, when you are able to actually use the tools that you need, it's incredible how much you can get done. And I know that, mm -hmm. you know, not every, you know, you can't always afford the most expensive this or that. And a beginner isn't, you know, that doesn't make sense, but. So the two, the two schools I've thought on that, I had uh, shown some of my watercolor stuff to Tyler Crook. Oh, the, nice. uh, Ooh. We did like Witch Finder yeah. in Harold County. And he was like, you got to get good watercolor. Yep. He's like, it's going to make such a difference. The opposite extreme, uh, I was talking to David Mack at the last Rose City Comic Con I've been to. And he just uses like the cheap, you know, grocery store Crayola David watercolors Mack. that they use in kindergarten. <laughs> sure, oh, sure. Yeah. What yeah. kind of brush so, is like, he using? But what brush is he using? Yeah, some, like the thing that comes with it. No, shut up. Yeah. No, so, that plastic piece of shit. There's no way. So, what? So God, like, amazing. So, that's incredible. Yeah. Wow, that that's blew, impressive. That blew my mind when he was yes. telling me what he was using. So I was like, okay, so like I'll try that. Right. That's, that's if wow. I can make the cheap stuff work, that's awesome. But well, I'm you know, obviously, like the the <laughs> stuff that he's doing is very different than a lot of the commissions that I've got. Listen, I don't need you to tell me that I'm not as good as David Mack. All I'm saying is <laughs> I'm not as good as David Mack, so sometimes I got to get a decent brush. 
Dang. Have you ever got to meet him at any of the conventions? He's the nicest yeah. person oh, we, on the I, face of the planet. We've met him a couple planet. times. He is the nicest I, yeah, man. He's a nice guy. God, he's, he's so a, nice. He's the nicest guy. I'll, I'll tell a quick David Mack story. Um, he did a Daredevil for me. I'll have to. I'll post that on Book Club Member Comics yeah. and follow me on there. What I was impressed with, and I know nothing about artistic technique or whatever, but he had like the brush and he just kind of held it straight up. And he just kind of brought it down on the paper. Japanese style. And he yeah. just made the shape. And it was Daredevil. And I was like, how did you do that? It was, I mean, I'm watching him do it. And it still seemed weird. He's, You know how he did that? Because like, he he's done the, it 10,000 right, times. Right. But he held the marker, like, going, like yeah. the paintbrush, like, just straight up. It was so interesting. There's some weird ways that people will hold, like, pencils and things. Oh, yeah. I, I, can't, remember, I can't remember where I saw it. But there's, like, a, maybe Twitter, a thread of just weird comic artists. I don't know. I can't describe it. I would have to like... I've got a friend who holds the pencil all at the very end of the pencil and he draws like that. And I don't know how he did, but he, I mean, he, he's an amazing artist, but it's, I could, I've tried it. It just looked like little three-year-old scribbles. I didn't know how he did it. But that's, you know, how he learned it. So, I mean, and I got a Gwen Stacy from David Mack. I remember him being like, oh, I want to get to draw a Gwen yeah. Stacy. That's cool. Oh, and I'll so, post that one too. Yeah, yeah. it was a fun one. Very cool. And he, um, He's super nice. But his technique is, yeah. I mean, we're not David. I'm not David Mack, but like, that's impressive. Wait, you're not David Mack? <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's interesting to hear about you transition from digital to the markers, because it seems like you're so precise with, with those markers. There's so much detail in those commissions. I was really impressed was that, that it's impressed. marker. It looks amazing. It doesn't even really look like marker to me. So, And all those uh, sketch cards that you've been doing for October, those are all for sale as well, right? Yeah. Definitely check Ross out on all the social medias and back his Kickstarter on this final week. So if you're listening to this the day that this episode comes out, um, you, you still have, have to... a chance at getting a comic and original art. Yeah, you really do. So yeah. this is the final week. If you've been waiting till the last week of it, this is the time, you know, to do it. So please, you know, push us over the edge. I definitely want an additional story in my comic. I want some more art from Ross. So definitely, um, whatever I can do to help us to push past that goal. I also want to plug the highest reward tier. Do I, it. Oh, I yes. don't think anyone's going to go for it. It's super interesting, though. I really but hope someone does, because that is cool. For $500, I will work with the whoever selects the tier. They can feed me as many ideas as they want, um, mainly like, you know, the creature design. Uh, if they're an artist, if they have, like, a creature design that they like or you know, of any skill level, right? It's it's whatever they bring to the table. I'll try to. <laughs> or if work, they're a writer, an amateur writer, or something like you're looking for a collaboration, yeah. basically, right? Like and like honestly, like if there's someone out there with a kid who's like Aww. into monsters or something, wanted to like throw me some of their artwork, set it in a whatever their hometown or whatever. Um, <laughs> oh, that would be that's, super that's kinda like awesome. That would be, be a so best cute. case scenario. I yes. feel like that would be a blast. And then to kind of sweeten the deal, I'll draw it traditionally, ink it traditionally, and send them the four pages of original. Wow, wow. that's wow. amazing. I mean, the donation is, is the price of just those pages alone. Nonetheless, and, like actually getting to write it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Or like, and, and if and it's so a if, kid, like maybe they could like be in the comic. That's right. super cute. If, if someone goes for it, that'll take us past the uh, stretch goal too. So it'll be like two two bonus stories if someone does that one tier. Oh, that Man. would be awesome. Yeah, get on that. So I not only do I get more Kim, I get some adorable additional 
story yes. that somebody worked with you on. That's cute. That is such a great idea, Ross. Someone do that. Someone with $500, <laughs> please do that. Awesome. And thank you so much for being on here. You know, this is our uh, Halloween episode, second year in a row that we've kind of done this crossover thing. <laughs> And I'm one of these people, I'm always like, I'm going to watch a lot of Halloween movies, and then I never really do. Uh, and I, yes, and you I, do? What are you talking about? Yes, you do. Not re- not as yes, much as I want do. to. And I feel you like... You just watch all of the nightmares. You just watched all of... I mean, come on. But for this year, that's what I'm saying. This oh, year okay. is the first year that I feel like I really um, watched a lot of movies. You do that every year. What are you talking about? <laughs> this is not factual, there people. Are people that do not watch listen a, to this man. He is making up stories. He always watches Halloween movies. It's ridiculous. But I did want to ask if, uh, what are some of your favorite Halloween movies? Uh, Danielle, do you have a favorite Halloween movie? Oh, man. You know what? We just watched Nightmare 3, 4, and um, what are my favorite? I, I you like, like th- New Nightmare? I like 3, 4. I love New Nightmare. I love, uh, New Nightmare is the best. God, yeah. that's such a good fucking movie. Uh, we watched Freddy vs. Jason, didn't we? Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, it's, I mean, yeah, I have it's a little bit of nostalgia right there. Uh, what else? I love Freddy vs. Jason. What else have we been watching? We've been watching a lot of good stuff. Yeah, but I'm asking, what's your favorite what Halloween my movie? My favorite Halloween movies. I love Beetlejuice so much. Okay. I know it's not really a Halloween because it doesn't. It take, counts. I think it doesn't counts. take place on Halloween. And yes, I watch oh, it wait. throughout the year, no matter what time of year it is. Michael Weird Keaton. And Michael Keaton. He's love amazing. Michael Keaton and anything he's in. I love him. What about you, Ross? Do you watch any scary movies this time of year? Movies like that anymore. This year, I've been binge watching all the Shawa era Godzilla films. Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. nice. They're all on HBO Max. And other I've than seen that. the original Godzilla, this is like stuff I've only maybe seen bits and pieces on TV when I was a kid. Oh, nice. So, <laughs> so I've been working my way through them all chronologically. Wow. Um, oh, that's wow. a project. How many and have you watched so far? At least eight. I'll have to, yeah, I'm not <laughs> top of my head. Wow. So, uh, so is this, okay, let me just, is this like stuff that's like kind of on and you'll look up every once in a while at a cool part and you be like, oh, cool. And you go back to what you're doing. Or is it like yeah. you're in it, you're like watching it? Yeah, most of them are kind of like, I'm, I'm like sketching or something sure, and it's on. Yeah. Um, this is a thing that I also do, so that's I specifically wanted I, to ask you that. I usually I usually don't do that with movies, but um, with these, they're repetitive enough. Yeah, that, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. kind of you, you get the same thing over and over again. There's a few standouts. I just watched one called Space Amoeba, which is <laughs> I, I think it's the same. I think it's the same studio. It's but it's not technically a Godzilla one. But the the premise of that is this. The titular space amoeba crashes on an island, and it makes this. Uh, it, it makes a giant octopus, what? a giant turtle, and a giant crab. <laughs> and so, yes, <laughs> the three mutated creatures come out and are attacking people. But then the best part, <laughs> yes, is the space amoeba also uh, mind controls a human being, and then they find out that like this is all part of their plan to take over the planet. Great. <laughs> nice. That sounds great. That's amazing. Is the space amoeba what is it what does it look like? Is it like a gigantic amoeba? Like is No, it... it's not a it's not even like a thing. It's like sparkles that nice. like show show like <laughs> yes. sparkle, sparkles go on top of That's a, great. a turtle. And then it'll, and the turtle and then it'll is show big. you the giant turtle. Oh, oh wow. I love it. We got to check that out. Check Space out. Yeah, we got to look at that. Awesome. I think that, that one's on uh, Amazon Prime. That's where <laughs> I watch that one. What about you, Aubrey? Are you watching any Halloween-flavored stuff? I watch 
watched uh, a few of the Nightmare movies, and then I watched the nice. uh, Elizabeth Moss uh, Invisible Man. Okay. Oh, I haven't seen that. That was good. Yeah. Oh uh, well, uh, see, I I really enjoyed it until like a certain point, the police station. Spoilers. Um, and then all of a sudden, I was like, "This is really goofy." Oh, okay. <laughs> see, I love goofy, terrible shit. So. That well, is... no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I love the movie. Like the first half of the film is like really suspenseful, but then at certain point, it kind of turns into the escape scene from Terminator Two. Uh, when they're escaping from the uh, insane asylum. Okay, oh, that okay. is the best scene in any movie, and I will fight you. That scene is incredible. So but not don't a great wrong, movie. I, I, don't get me wrong. I love the movie. I'm Elizabeth Moss is fabulous in everything she okay, does. Okay, right. So. I could kind of see what Aubrey's saying. It, I don't know if you've seen the movie Sunshine. I love that kinda, movie. No. It kind of has a similar thing where the... There's a tonal the, shift. There's a tonal shift, yeah. Mm. I know what you're saying. Okay. Okay. Where, where, it, where it stops being... Yeah, so much. One like thing, and then it becomes thriller. another. Can yeah. I say we just recently rewatched Dracula? We watched oh, the Gary go. Oldman, Keanu Reeves Dracula. Man, I fucking love that movie so much. Sad, horny Dracula. Oh, it's the best. I think that's what Hayden Orr said. God, it's the most ridiculous movie. But I watched. <laughs> or was this... it Christopher Egan? I don't remember. I watched. I love that movie because it's. But we watched all this behind the scenes shit that I had never watched. Oh, before. I bought the Blu-ray and it has the. I'd never the scenes. seen any of that. It was fascinating, and I honestly, I, I had a little more respect for the movie i was yeah. like you know what the process that they went through to make this movie that's impressive that's pretty cool i like that i dig that i, I was going to talk about that because so that was one where when we got to the end i was like how do i not remember how epic this ending is like it's yeah, pretty so good. the ending is pretty good i was like dang this is pretty awesome so i love that movie for wait, how wait. goofy it is but i also really respect like all these processes that they talk yeah. about in the behind the scenes shit i was like damn i didn't know that that's that's pretty fucking cool that's yeah. wild you know hey john can we have a spoiler warning you could tell me what the ending was because i seen the movie Look, several times but i forgot dracula you know, well, it's too late have you seen it ross you've seen it right yeah it's been a, it's been a while okay winona Ryder chops off gary oldman's head yeah. right I oh my god i forgot <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was like holy shit anyway i'll get my book club card revoked here but i have yet to read the mignola adaptation of this movie. oh no, yeah no, your, no it's your cool book club, your book club card is safe i have yeah we're, either. we're not dicks it's fine i can't decide whether i want to get the black and white version or the new colored version the answer is both yes <laughs> <laughs> yes you, def- you definitely want to get both spread them out spread them out two to two separate purchases but um I was going to say Dracula because I also really enjoyed rewatching that. And I'm sorry to take your. your no, uh, I was also going to mention Ready or Not. I thought that that was a super fun kind of horror movie. Uh, oh, yeah, that was fun. I didn't yeah. like that it. That was like Knives Out except gross. You it didn't like good. it, Aubrey? No, I thought it was dumb. I I'm really sorry. liked it. No, it is dumb. Oh, my God. I, it's, it's dumb so... and I liked it. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> well, that is fair. Have you seen that? Uh, have you seen it, Ross? No, I haven't. Well, I thought it was. I thought it was a lot of fun. I, yeah. In the same way that Shaun of the Dead is fun. Yes, you know what I, I think I mean? that they the... were definitely going oh, for that for no, sure. No, it is not on the cloud over Shaun of the Dead. I think it definitely is. Absolutely. <laughs> I thought it was pretty oh. great. Yeah. How, have any of Friendship. you guys seen Funny Games? No. I no, seen I haven't seen that one. No, I haven't. So. That's that's the movie I love trying to force people to watch because of the extremely different reactions people have to nice. it. Nice. It's basically a critique of American slasher films. Yes. Um, okay. But the setup starts out like a traditional horror film, 
it's super. I don't know. It's 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 hard to describe without kind of spoiling some of the. Okay. The, the, I've actually seen the trailers for it. It looks good. Okay. The trailers are super misleading. It's not like <laughs> it's like oh, it's kind okay. of like the trailers are trying to trick you into seeing the movie, oh, and then man. it's a different movie. That's mm. But okay. and I think I think that was mm. by design. Anarchy, I think, is the director. He he had um, he 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 made this movie in in whatever his his home country and in his own language, and then it didn't get enough of an audience. He like he made it for American moviegoers, okay. so he remade it in English. So that's the version that I've seen. That's got. Um, I think it has Naomi Watts in it. In it yeah, Naomi okay, Watts. I'm seeing this. And, I fucking love guy, Naomi Watts. Uh, Tim Roth. Tim Roth, Tim Roth I, yeah. yes. Oh, okay. I think of his name. Oh man, I'm always asking John who what his name is because I love him so much. Nice, I yeah. ADHD. I'll have so. to check that out. <laughs> in in film school, when I was in film school, we had a uh, a class that was about like experimental uh, or more avant garde films, and and we screened this in class. Awesome. And had the the biggest argument I had in any of my film yes. classes about whether or not it was a good film or a bad film. Wow. Uh, Tim Roth, and- Naomi Watts, not sure if it's good. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> that was great. I'm glad we got to talk about some horror movies and let us know um if you're watching any what you horror watching? movies or what 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 do you uh, What do you see? What do you say? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I also I'm all caught up on Lovecraft Country, which I really I like right that on. show too. I haven't watched that yet, but I just watched all of um Raised by Wolves. Oh, I've that- oh I've seen God, the first episode. Yeah. I really want to keep watching that. Did you enjoy it? We could go off on a whole tangent about how different TV is these days. Yeah. Um, compared to like five years ago, even. Sure. But it's interesting to watch filmmakers having fun with a long form storytelling. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also have some shouts outs for this week. Shouts out. I want to thank at TPhoto10 on Twitter. TPhoto10. Book club member. Yeah. He's a book club member. He gave us a shout out on Twitter. He shared the Mignolaverse reading order. And he said, hey, I'm rereading all of the Hellboy books during quarantine, pandemic times, and I'm listening to the Hellboy Book Club all, all along. And so I was Aww. like, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. And so it, that got a lot of attention and um, hopefully brings some new people onto yeah. the podcast. Thanks for that, Mark Tweedo. All right. And now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. So get out your treats and floppies. Get out your hardback copies. Digital print is fine. You can read along Time. We heard from Paul Eek. Paul Eek. Book club member. That's yeah. Right, book club member. <laughs> he said, I'm currently on episode 60. I'll get caught up soon. So he's uh, still catching up. Episode 60. Si- I don't even know what that is. Yeah. I don't know what episode that is. That was um, Matt had just come back from Rose City Comic Con. And uh, we had Matt on the show, and he had just met Ross for the Aww, first time, yeah. too. Nice. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of interesting. Cute. Paul will see you in, what, how many? 50 something episodes. Friendship. He says, I was a little late on the podcast, but I've been collecting the Hellboy comics since the first issue was published. Awesome. I'm always glad to hear um, from some new listeners. That's hardcore. We also heard from Andrew Adair. Andrew Adair. Book club member. Book club member. He said, sorry, I'm also catching up on older podcasts. Listening to the Lobster Why is Johnson. Why sorry about that? I don't it's know. Okay. Yeah, it's That's great. Fine. They're just not going to listen to the feedback for a couple of weeks or depending on how fast they listen to the episodes. <laughs> 
he said that he just listened to Lobster Johnson and the Iron Prometheus. Oh no, that's our worst episode. <laughs> I still want to go back someday and re-record that episode. He said during that story we were discussing the German submarine off New York City. And it reminded me that Germans definitely had a history of attempting to attack America at the time and were suspected of having been responsible for a successful devastating attack on the U.S. before World War I called the Black Tom Island Explosion. He did link an article to that event. He said, what a great historical background for a future Mignolaverse story. Yeah, so there was a, a submarine off the New York City coast in that story. And that does line up with some stuff that actually did happen. So I always like those historical parallels. We also heard from Ryan Rollinson. Hey, Ryan Rollinson. The club member. Yeah. yeah, he said that he's listening to the Rasputin episodes. Um, Rasputin, when we were talking about uh, <laughs> when we were talking about the Flama Reconditus, remember that book? Yeah, and then we were mm-hmm. like, "Why does Broom why just put it? Fucking get it? Why did he put it down? You know, he could have just left it under his you arm or something." And you said, uh, "You said it's not cheesecake. It's not cheesecake." <laughs> and so he said, "Now he always thinks of that oh, whenever he sees man. that book come up. It's not cheesecake." We had some feedback on our Bones of Giants discussion. We heard from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell, book club member. Aww. He said, uh, this story is actually set in 1999. I kept saying it was set in 2001. Oh. So it's set in 99. So now, William Tunholm, let us know what pop hits were from 1999 <laughs> in Sweden, because I want to know what they were listening to in the car. On the topic of Abe and sword fighting, I think this experience served him well. Ultimately, it's a skill he needed in BPRD Garden of Souls. Do you remember oh, yeah, that? He used a sword, yeah. or was it like a... I thought it was like a cane or like a golf club or something. I, uh, did he have a sword? Oh, it was a, it was a cane, Like, he, but he did whack it into the... Um... It was a fencing move. Yeah, it was a, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Okay, all right. He said, something is happening as you read this Hellboy novel that I didn't anticipate. Normally, John does all the reading for the podcast, but now Aubrey and Danielle are getting in on the action when there's something <laughs> they're really passionate about, and it's cool. That was really good to have you guys kind of take over. You can feel free to take over whenever. But you do such a good job. <laughs> <laughs> and he also said, I'm genuinely curious if anyone else has the same thought. So Hellboy got this hammer and through it, he keeps feeling Thor's personality and memories overtaking his own. So initially, I just assumed it's channeling the soul of Thor. Mm. But then later in the story, the corpse awakens and it's not just a mindless thing. There's a spark of a person in there. So are they both channeling the same soul? Or was Thor always the hammer? Is the guy we've been calling Thor just like Hellboy and that he had his own distinct personality and when he took up the hammer, that's when the Thor personality started to take him over? Interesting. I know it's a weird theory, but I couldn't help but wonder. No, I mean, that's interesting. That's interesting to think about. Yeah, because when it stands up, is that Thor? Thor is possessing Hellboy. I do have a thought on this, but after you you read the reply. Oh, yes, because there was a reply from Hayden Orr. Hayden Orr. Book club member. (laughs) Oh, yeah, in stereo. There you go. Maybe the Thor from the myths is a combination of the actual god and the influence of the hammer. Mm. The hammer itself could be so powerful that when it was forged, it just developed its own almost personality that overtakes anyone who wields it. Because that was definitely Thor's corpse, I think. Nine feet tall and taken by a Valkyrie. Who knows? Magic is always so strange. I like that. Yeah. Nice. Nice. So here, here's my thought about okay. it. Okay. Um, I feel like Hellboy was possessed by the actual spirit of Thor in the conscious was transferred through Mjolnir and that's why he was able he couldn't let go of it because Thor didn't want to let go of it because that's the connection to Thor ah. and when the Val- and when the Valkyrie touched him in between his horns 
that's her removing Thor from him, and he was able to let go because Thor is no longer you know, that death grip on the hammer. Wow. Uh, was she taking but, Thor to Valhalla? But, yeah, probably. Okay. The bones springing up to life in the autopsy, I feel like that was an echo because the Valkyrie was approaching. She's coming over there to and see what's going it, on, yeah. And it and it kind of awakened the bones or something, or maybe she was like, you know, it's like, like an area effect of like, spell. It's like on. the equivalent of like I can't find my phone, so I use my iPad to sure. find my phone, and it's like beeping. And she's like, "Find my skeleton!" And the skeleton and the skeleton's pops freaking up. out so yeah. that she can yeah. find it. Okay, okay. So, so that's kind of my thought. Is just like the spirit of Thor was inhabiting Hellboy, and he left the shell of his former life, and he's clinging on through the hammer, and when she touches his horn, him between the horns, and he he lets go of the hammer, that's her removing the spirit of Thor who okay. had the death grip on it. the hammer. I do think it's really interesting. I, I really do like that theory that um, Jolnir has a will and a personality. Right, yeah. Is like a, like almost like a, per, like a person, but is a hammer. And like, I think that's really interesting and it's really intriguing. And I do wonder if like how much of, Thor is Thor, and how much of Thor is Jolnir? And if there, right, if, it, if yeah. is it like a twin kind of a what was that fucking horrible thing from Star Wars? It was like a oh. the dyad, like you know. But what if what if dyad but used well, right? Okay. Like what okay. if you know? <laughs> what if a like an actually like a good good for the plot? So that is really interesting. I do like that's why it's a book club, right? Yeah, I like that a yeah. lot. That's a cool. That's super cool. It I lends, dig that. It lends like a whole different. Yeah, uh, it makes you go back and think about the Thor stories a little whoever bit. Whoever holds this hammer wields the power of Thor. You know what I mean? Whoever like, holds this hammer is Thor. Yeah, yeah. You yeah, turn but, into but Thor because I mean, of Mjolnir, maybe. But like that's interesting. But wasn't that part added by Marvel though? I feel like the hammer is just a tool and not a sentient being. That's what I'm saying. Sure. You have the old like Norse mythology. You can read all that. It's all there for you to read and you can check it out. And then you have Marvel's Thor, right? And they have their own little thing that they do with all of that. And it's pretty cool and interesting. And then you have Mignola and company like are tackling that, which um, is another thing. And in these stories that we read, um, Hellboy's like, hey, this hammer is a sentient being. It has its own personality and it, and it has its own will. And this its will is outstripping my own. I mean, yes, definitely his Thor was taking over him, but it wasn't like he was saying the hammer was the one taking over him. There were several times where he was like, there was something about the hammer as though mm. it maybe had its own will. Like, there were several times where mm. okay. the text literally said that. So it's an interesting idea. We also heard from Clayton Schofield. Clayton Schofield. Book club member. Nice. It was great to read this again. I don't think I would have read this twice if not for the book club. The power of the book club compels you. I almost <laughs> oh, never yeah. read novels more than once, but this was definitely the right length to spark a revisit. And those beautiful art panels are a great touch, too. Sorry if I keep saying this over. I have to thank the three of you for giving me some much-needed blue skies for the soul and mind. You're an anchor in these crazy times, and it is very much appreciated. Yeah, thank you for saying touching. that. Yeah, wow. I really appreciate that. And we, yeah, we have fun on the show. We try to keep it positive. So sweet. This is my weekly reprieve of all the week stresses and all the bad shit that's going on. It's deeper and more touching than uh, we deserve, though. That's so sweet. Yeah, I'm that glad is. that we're able to bring any kind of positivity or anything into your life. That's so sweet. I understand. I, I'm also trying to seek positivity in these stressful times. So <laughs> I'm glad. I am glad we can contribute to your 
happiness yeah. possibly so insanity because it is so hard to find some it's these a lot days. Of rough. <laughs> it's it's rough that's Lately. the power of friendship. Yeah. All right. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. And I thought this would be a good idea. Uh, now I don't, I don't know if it's do a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it would be fun to look at some more of these Hellboy crossovers. And so I thought this would be fun to check out. And thank you, Ross, for joining us um, to talk about these issues. The first issue that we're going to be discussing is The Goon Issue 7. Okay. This was published in June of 2004 by Dark Horse Comics. This Goon issue features a crossover with Hellboy. The Goon is a comic book series written and drawn by Eric Powell. And the colors are often by Dave Stewart, Eric Powell, or his brother Robin. The series mixes both a comical and violent atmosphere with a supernatural slant, which pits the titular character against undead creatures. The Goon is a gorilla-shaped mob enforcer and the title character in the Goon comic book series. He currently acts as muscle of the Labrazio mob, and his sidekick Frankie defends Lonely Street from the nameless zombie priest. Labrazio! If Eric Paul sounds familiar, it's because he did Midnight Cowboy from the Hellboy Weird Tales. So I don't know if you remember on Weird Tales, there was that one story where Mac ate... I love ate, Midnight Cowboy. Yeah, Mac ate the... He ate like some slime and then he turned alien into a slime alien slime. He turned into like a evil dog and then Hellboy's like thrashing around trying to capture him. And he throws up and he turns back into regular Mac. Do you remember that one? It was a little Hellboy story <laughs> from Weird Tales. So that's where we saw Eric Powell's art before. That was one of the stories I felt like should have or could be canon. Right. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it was fun. It was a fun. No, sure. Yeah. Hellboy. Yeah. In this issue, the goon portion is drawn by Eric Powell, and the colors are by Eric Powell, Robin Powell, Ben Cock, and Barry Gregory. And on the framing sequence, the art and colors and letters are by Mignola Stewart and Robbins. In both of these stories, Mignola's like, yeah, I'm going to do a little, like, an introduction art. And I'm like, oh, oh, Mignola art, awesome, nice. And then it's like... Aha, there's there's another guy he's doing the middle and I'm like, oh okay, there's okay. There's right. a different artist, all right. And then then Manuel's like and then I came back and I did the end of the story for Right, like, yeah. All right, cool. Just he's just gonna bookend it. That's great. It's I feel like it's um he's at that point in his career where he can just be like, Yeah, I'll just I'll just do whatever in there and everybody's gonna be super psyched about it. And you know what? He's right. right. He's absolutely right. <laughs> I see here you've got a uh, you've got a signed issue of this. Oh yeah, no, I do have uh, my issue is signed by Eric Powell. I got to meet Eric Powell. Yeah. He was super nice. Um, <laughs> I, I I do like the Goon comics. I have a couple of the Goon comics and um, some of his other stuff, Hellbilly. So yeah, Eric Powell is super cool. Um, and so I was able to get my issue signed by him. He was really nice. But like Danielle said, we open up the story with some Mignola art. What did you think about seeing some Mignola art? I'll talk about this a little bit more later, but it's, it was really interesting. The framing story from the Goon and then the Fearless Dawn crossovers was yes. like a, the similar idea. But you can tell some years had passed between the two um, with just the way... I, th I feel like Hellboy, the way Mignola draws him, he's got a little bit rounder, mm. uh, like like post Hellboy and Hell. Even I don't know. I, I'm looking at him digitally, so I can't like hold him side by side. But I did notice that. Yeah, you know that that makes for a great comparison for um, you know when I'm doing my post for the week, I can definitely do that. Because um, like, yeah, I'd love to look at these side by side, and I you're absolutely right. There is a difference in Mignola's whole style. I feel like you know over the course of these 
couple pages in this prelude compared to the fearless dawn um i'm glad you brought that up fearless dawn just like came out like this month right yeah Um, yeah we'll talk about that but that's probably the most recent thing that we've ever read on the show (laughs) and then chronologically when did this goon issue come out like compared to the main hellboy series 2004 yeah 2004 so this would have been like god is that like the island and the third wish and stuff like that this was like the period where he was kind of like taking a break from drawing right I think so. I'm not yeah. sure. We kind of zoom in on this like kind of old-timey... What is this place supposed to be here that Hellboy's investigating? Looks like a, a church because there's a pulpit in the background. Oh, yeah, the, uh, you're snow. right. Yeah. And it says Lebanon, Tennessee. That's Cedar City. Lebanon is host to the annual Wilson County Fair, which is considered by busy b trader magazine to be the best county fair in tennessee what do you think about that guys i've <laughs> never been to a county fair in tennessee so i don't know if i can compare them do you have uh, county fairs out there no um my encounters with county fairs would be the puyallup fair in washington okay uh, i grew up kind of near seattle not not in the city itself but yeah very different culture at the county fair in puyallup <laughs> And um, so we see Hellboy walk in. We get a lot of really cool mood panels of all these old guys in the pictures. There's a skull in the little stove that's there, right? Mm-hmm. And in there, it also looks like there's a hand with a green uh, ring on its finger. Hellboy. So I was going to ask about that. Like, did I miss something? Did that have anything to do with the story or is that just there? I thought it was just just there. there. I thought it was just like a mood kind of thing or just a weird detail to put in there. But yeah, I don't know. Have we ever seen that ring before? I don't know. Well, we'll see if Mark Tweedell can let us know. Yeah, it just seemed like he wanted to practice drawing a finger with a ring on it. Yeah. (laughs) And Hellboy finds this goon comic. It says the goon magazine, October 10 cents. And it's kind of got this classic... Um, I, I love seeing Mignola draw the goon in this little panel here. And um, as Hellboy's investigating it, so it had like a spike through it, right? We see it on the floor, and it has like almost looks like a railway spike through it. And so Hellboy pulls that out to examine it. It also looks like the bog nail that went into his head. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it does kind of resemble that. When he pulls it out of the magazine, he gets clanked in the head by something, and then it cuts over to the Eric Powell art. And now all of a sudden he's in the goon universe, and he's getting clunked on the head by an octopus with a giant wrench. and uh, Also wearing goggles. Yeah, also wearing goggles. Yeah, so we're immediately put into this different kind of feel. Um, what do you think about Eric Powell's art? Are you a fan of his, Ross? I've read, a, like, I think the first volume of The Goon. Like, this octopus in the plane gives me sort of that, like, Calvin and Hobbes energy. Right. Um, the, the, okay. Now, most of the comic is kind of more crass and uh kind of <laughs> reminds me of like mad magazine sort of but it does every once in a while it gets into the like more whimsical territory which i i enjoy yeah no um i do totally agree with that so i did read the issues leading up to this and i want to say like in the issue prior there are some octopus that they're fighting some different kind of like uh octopus thing that comes out of another dimension so I don't know if this was like referencing that or it's a completely different thing. Yeah, I, I got the omnibus that this is in. I just haven't had the chance to read through the whole thing yet. Yeah, and we see the goon there. He's with his little pal Frankie. And um, in a lot of the goon comics, Frankie's telling some really crass story or 
something like that. And so that's kind of what he's doing here. They see Hellboy coming in on the plane and then it crashes in front of them. And then so they meet Hellboy and there's kind of this whole exchange here. I really like Eric Powell's take on Hellboy. It's it's kind of one of those where he's got all the proportions and shapes right. He's got that right feel like like Duncan Fogredo does, but mm-hmm. it still it fits in with his universe. Yeah, I totally um, agree. Yeah. That's kind of how I feel like the art is in this is is kind of cartoony and I, I like cartoony. I think it I think it looks great. I think Hellboy looks great as I think the characters of Goon and you know the artwork I think is stellar. Yeah, and they were gonna do like a CGI Goon movie. I don't know something happened with that and it never came to fruition. But I know that that was something that they were uh, talking about at one time. You know they offer Hellboy some money. You know they think because they're kind of like mobsters or gangsters. You know if you've read the Goon comic. The goon is kind of like the head of the of the mob or something like that. So there's this whole kind of running thing where Frankie, he's calling Hellboy Rosie because he's red. Yeah, so that kind of kind of occurs throughout. I started to get a little annoyed by that, to be honest. Yeah, by is the that end supposed of to be kind of like that affectation of like, yeah, see, you got games up to you. Exactly, exactly. Whatever. They run across these zombies. So that's another thing about the goon universe. There's zombies everywhere. So that's one of the things that the goon and Frankie do is they keep Lonely Street safe from all the zombie hordes that He's are coming. He's got his own little, uh, they've got their own nicknames for that. They call them Slack Jaws. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and so I love the art, though, of the zombies. Eric Paul has a really distinct art style no, when he's drawing is, these guys. You know, the art is uh, that, good. That panel of them like unloading the truck made me flash back to days unloading trucks at Walmart. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> Did you feel like a zombie like, doing that? <laughs> like, this is the time of year that for the last nine years of my life, we'd be ramping up into the holiday yeah. season. And I'm just like, oh, I don't miss that. Oh, no, man. No. You almost <laughs> end up getting like a, it's almost like a post-traumatic like stress disorder from, right. from working in a grocery <laughs> store. So much, Seriously. So much respect for people who have yeah. to, you know, work work retail and service industry this time of year. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yes. horrifying. I've yeah. worked in grocery stores and I've worked in, and that's, you know. Uh, yeah, shout out to our service I'm workers. I'm constantly man. just as nice as possible to anyone. I honestly do think that it should be, and I've heard other people say this, it should be just like mandatory to work in the service industry oh, yeah. for at least like a I year so. or two. As Hellboy and Frankie and the goon go into action, I love this first panel where he's like popping that guy. Sure. I think that that is like pure Eric Powell. Like, if you want to distill his art style into like one panel, it's like Hellboy popping that guy's head around to the side. And I like how it's a pop and not a boom. Yeah. It's cute. Is that the, uh, we got to get a count for the pops. Is that one officially on the counter? Sure. The goon, he's a big tough guy, and he punches, and Hellboy's got the big right hand, and he punches, and so Speaking they're of a pop, good team I'm going to go ahead and pop this pickle beer. Oh, you got a pickle beer there? <laughs> this is the same six-pack that you bought. I know, right? We, we had one. We had exactly one of them, and the <laughs> other five have just been sitting in the they fridge. They sure have. And so, I really uh, want one. <laughs> hey, you can come and grab them. We'll give them to you. I uh, said one, not all of them. <laughs> After they defeat the zombies, Hellboy's like, why were they loading trucks with pork chops? And Frankie goes on to talk about, you don't know about the pig revolts. Ah. So I, I guess that that's a thing. Um, I don't remember that from the comic. But a lot of these, um, a lot of the elements in this story 
are from the comic. They take Hellboy out for a drink, and we cut over to Horton's Pub. And in there, I felt so bad, so this this spider wearing a hat, he's like, hey, goon, and then Hellboy's like, god damn, a giant oh, talking no. spider. But he's one of the characters in the comic. What he's their He's their friend. <laughs> the spider's their so, friend, yeah. Bowler Hat Spider's a recurring character? Yes, and, it, and okay, his, his name is Spider. That's his name. Poor Spider. And he hangs around with them in the bar and drinks beers and stuff like that, so that's kind of funny. One thing that I did notice, having read some of the other Goon comics, this is like you've got Hellboy and you put him in the story and now he's in the Goon universe. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? The Gooniverse. If you're just reading the story... And you haven't read a lot of the other comics and you're not going to get like, oh, well, this is a recurring character, you know, who just happens to be a spider. With what little of the goon I've read, it still like felt like these were all non sequiturs. So it's interesting that there's actually more to them. than Right. (laughs) Yeah, this uh, to me as well. I was just like, okay. There's the part where Frankie is telling his crass story and they're all laughing about beating up somebody in a gorilla suit or who didn't realize that they thought it was somebody else and they put him in a sack and beat him up. And then so Hellboy decides to go in. Once I was in Japan and I was in this house and there were all these guys with no heads. The heads were off in the woods plotting to eat me. So I took all the bodies and hit him in the lake. And, and he's the- thinking this is going to be like a raucous, yeah. like a, everyone's going to be like, oh, that's a good one. And everyone's just like, it's like record scratch. Right. Uh, that's awkward kind of a moment. And in the morning, all the heads just sort of burned up. Like it just teeters out. You know Aww. what I mean? Aww. They should read the comic. It's such a good story. It really is. Yeah. And so then this weird little cat guy comes up to Hellboy and he's saying, um, this little girl's lost. Won't you help me find her? And he goes off on this whole thing with ribbons in her hair and her blue dress on. And he's kind of like, I guess it's kind of putting Hellboy under a spell or something. Yeah, I I get that sense that it's hypnotic almost. And I don't know if this is the same character. There is a character like this in one of the other issues that has like a weird face like this, but turns into a werewolf. And here this one's like a little cat or something like that. I don't know if it's supposed to be the same character or not. But either way, it starts to lead Hellboy off. The goon and Frankie, they don't see the cat. So they're like, what's going on? You Why know? are you going into the horse eater's woods? Yeah. <laughs> which is hyphenated and also terrifying. Right. John, what's a fucking horse eater's woods? I don't know. Okay. I don't know what horse eater's woods is. Um, that might be from one of the other comics. I don't remember it, though. It sounds horrible. I just assumed it was uh, woods they eat horses in. Yeah. Right. Well, there are zombies, so maybe they call it that because there's a bunch of zombies in there Ugh. or something like that. And Hellboy's like, you don't see this cat? So then they have this moment where, now I'm going crazy and now I'm going to fight you. Maybe so. them stumps digging into his brain. Yeah. <laughs> When Frankie brings up the pork chops again, Hellboy is sick of hearing about it. And he says, you're driving me crazy. So then they go at it. And it's like Hellboy and the goon are going to fight. They set this up for like the this whole page right here, which I think is really fun. And then Hellboy just cracks the goon one time with the right hand of doom. And he goes out. So like I, I thought that, that was going to be a like boom, a... It's still a crack. Yeah. yeah, that's true. But I was expecting that to be a big drawn out thing. No. It's just one hit. No, it's over. It had yeah. to be, right? There's no way. <laughs> that is a fun kind of thing with like the crossovers when the guest character gets the upper hand of the, yeah. uh, the title character. <laughs> I mean, right. there's only one way that was going to go. Oh, I didn't even catch this detail. So Hellboy is actually just going to hit him with a rock. 
And then he's like, oh, no, you don't. And the goon takes the rock from him. Right. And that's when he punches him. So he was probably not going to hit him gonna as hard. It was going to get off a little bit easier. Yeah. <laughs> I'd definitely and, rather be hit with a rock. And I like how Frankie's like, hey, that ain't right. Because Frankie's not used to the goon ever going down. Right. You know what I mean? He's always like the tough enforcer. So as the cat leads Hellboy through the woods, there's this one tree. It says, I don't remember my right name, but I don't want to be a buzzard no more. So there's actually a character named Buzzard, and he's buried under that tree. Wow. And he's, like, so depressed and so bummed out over stuff that he did that he's like, I just want to be dead. So he just lays under there. But he's not really dead. So he's just, like, a more severe Eeyore. Yes, exactly. Like a super dark Eeyore. But I thought this was kind of cool how they run past it because if you read the comics, you're like, oh, there's a guy under there. Wow. That's a whole other story. Yeah, and I, I guess these are like more like Easter eggs because to me, they just seem like non sequiturs, just like completely. Yeah, that's interesting. Throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Right, right. Yeah, um, but it is kind of a touching story. It is kind yeah. of a sad story of this character, Buzzard. And um, so Aww. I thought that was neat how they kind of put that in there. That's a really uh, that's fucking deep, man. That's you just you just hit us with some some deep shit. There. Yeah, no, they they're um, wow, that's intense. The, that's the, intense. The, the goon comics are really kind of just uh, like Ross said. You know, you throw everything at the wall. It's kind of just a good bit of action and a good excuse to draw some evil octopus, right, you know, and yeah. stuff like that. But there are some really tender moments. Yeah. You know, the goon's backstory is like. It's almost like he was like a Peter Parker, except to like uh, some bad people, like to mobsters. Like he had an aunt that took care of him, but then the aunt saved him uh, from getting shot during this mob hit. And so he killed the mob boss and then took on that name. Wow. And so now he's that guy, La Brazino okay. or whatever, right? I have to say for the people who obviously cannot see us because you're listening to this, we, we're making Italian fingers every time <laughs> we say that, so... So thank you for the explanation behind that, because I saw it and I was like, did someone carve Tom Waits lyrics into this tree or what is this? But um, no, it's that's, you know, whom's amongst us hasn't felt like, oh, I fucked up so bad. I I just would rather crawl into a hole and die. And so to have a character who actually just crawls into a hole. Exactly. Yeah. As in, like, I'm, I'm going to create a sort of like a synthetic living death for myself. That's deep, man. That fucking cuts deep. That cuts deep, man. Yeah. I, I don't read this comic, so I just thought it was part of the aesthetic of the world. Yeah, yeah, but that's like a you know that's um that's harsh. That that really gets to me. Yeah, that that's a really good story. I recommend checking out the first volume of the Goon. It has that issue in it. The whole thing where they're in the woods, I really really like the way that the trees are rendered, and uh, the colors are fantastic. I love the colors the purple and green and all that, and just the way that they do the trees that are in the background are kind of like blendy. Yeah, the trees in the foreground, they get more and more. I just, you know, I just like the way that looks. It's a good aesthetic. I, I don't know how to describe it, but there are some parts in the Goon comic where maybe, Ross, I don't know if you're familiar, where like it looks very kind of painted and almost like sepia, like old timey. Sure. Yeah. Have you do you know what I'm talking about, Ross? Yeah, I was trying to figure out what was going on with the backgrounds because they kind of to me, I'm curious what the original art looks like. I almost wonder if he had some grayscale markers and then they colorized them. Right. Or, or I wonder if like, that's just painted in Photoshop or. Yeah. It could be either. Some of them kind of are a little almost psychedelic. Like the colors yeah, kind of yes. don't 
make a lot of sense. Yeah, that's I that's I think that's what I dig about it. Like right. I, I really like that. And the cat he's leading Hellboy to a trap. And so we get this giant splash page with all the villains. And so again, if you're not familiar with the comic, the guy in the middle with the top hat, that's the zombie priest. The guy next to him, the green guy, that's um grave. And he brings uh, he brings bodies to the zombie priest, and that's how he made his zombie army. Okay. And then, like I said, uh, the previous issue had these like octopus monsters come from another dimension, and so I don't know if these are the same ones. Um, but I like this how they have the um, hot air balloons. <laughs> these octopus they have hot air balloon things on them, so they're flying in the air because like uh... if you're gonna draw an octopus, you want to see the tentacles. Yeah. But you don't want to put them underwater, no. so it's like, how can I make octopi fly? They're magical. It's so cool. I, I really like that like, idea yeah. that they have the hot air balloons Balloon on there. I think creatures. it's fun. Yeah, I'm always, I always love a good octopus. Yeah. Wouldn't they be dirigibles? Oh, okay. That's the second time, Aubrey, that you've corrected <laughs> me on a... I think I said something was a, bl- it's a blimp It's not a blimp, it's a dirigible. Yeah, yeah. No, no you're no, absolutely no. right. Thank you for bringing the... The dirigible that knowledge. Is that because they're gas instead of like a hot I, I, air balloon uses a torch, right? I yeah. really don't know. <laughs> I don't. I don't know the difference between them, but aesthetically, they look different. So this little cat guy. One of them has a zeppelin shape, the big one. Yeah, the big one. So the little cat guy, he um, tells the zombie priest, he does not belong here, but you saw his coming. Yes, you see all. He is big magic. And you will make him the bane of all that walk in the light. And when all is veiled, I shall sit at your right hand because you will remember it was I who delivered him to you. Big magic. I thought this was kind of interesting to bring it back to the canon. That's isn't that kind of what Strobel wanted? He was like, I'm going to be the right hand of the. I'm going to be the best friend of the whoever's the devil or something like that. A lot of people wanted that. that. (laughs) I mean, I was thinking about the whole thing. That's like that never works out, dude. No. Yeah. It's never worked out. (laughs) It's so funny to be like the the villain who's ultimate master plan is to settle to be serving the other guy this time it's really gonna work out though (laughs) so then zombie priest is like prepare the sacrifice but then they see the goon there and the zombie priest is like oh you led the goon here and then of course as they get ready to fight you know hellboy's like this is what i do for a living and the goon's like well this is what i do too pretty much the same thing and then we're gonna team up we're gonna team up now. We we punch for a bit and then we're mates. Yeah. So giant tentacle grabs Hellboy from the big octopus, and then we see the goon and Frankie go at some of the other ones. Frankie says, "Get off it, worm pie." So that's one of his <laughs> phrases. He says uh, "worm pie" a lot to the zombies as they're fighting. And um, there's just some great action here. You know, Eric Powell. He really has that style of kind of. It almost reminds me like of Popeye or something like that. You know what I mean? With these kind of like throwback characters and. Um, all the crazy action. I really like this with the octopus. It's really cool. And they've got this scene down here. It's like a little action shot with the uh, goon and uh, Hellboy. He's got his gun drawn and everything. It's yeah. Very, very poseable. And I really appreciate this. So then Frankie goes, he's going to stab the octopus right in the eye. And then right when he does it, it just says, knife to the eye. Yeah, I, don't see I like that, though. None of us want to see that. No. So I think that that is really fun. Yeah. Um, I appreciated that from Eric Powell for leaving that out. Because I get the idea, right? Yeah, we don't, don't have to see, to see it. it. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see. I thought he was like yelling that out. He's like, now I'm going to show you my favorite bit. No, I think that's just like... Knife to the eye. I think that's and literally like the panel is like, this is what would be here, but I'm, no, 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 I'm no, not no, going to no, put I, it here. I, I don't disagree with that, but I also feel like that the character was yelling that. Yeah. Okay, sure. And he does, he it, does it, seem it, like a character that would say it's that. It's not something that he and, wouldn't and yell. And then the word balloon. 
and just took up the whole panel. Ah, I like okay, that. Okay, okay. I think that's a fun, creative use of the word balloon like that. Hellboy aims up at the dirigible, and he finally gets a shot off. So, oh, wow. you know, now we know it's a, he's not in the right universe, right? Because he can actually aim and hit something. <laughs> that's the only boom we've seen. Also, please note, I'm not sure if they are dirigibles or not. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Aubrey, you're supposed to be our dirigible consultant yeah, yeah they're consultant but i love so that hellboy... all right i'll read i'll read up all about him eventually <laughs> oh man hellboy has clocked someone twice now with the right hand of doom and it's made two separate sounds that were not boom and uh then he shot a zeppelin ridgeable yeah and it said boom so, oh okay uh, i don't know so the you're saying the sound effects are all turned around it's higgledy piggledy yeah there's a humorous moment as Frankie, Hellboy, and the goon are all, they're all just burned because that explosion just destroyed everything. It's its a cartoon, Bert right? Post. They get in this little argument here. Frankie calls Hellboy an ungrateful lunatic. I gave you pork chops. And then, um, so this old man, he featured earlier in there and he was like, uh, he told Hellboy something like, you guys killed my lover in the war or something weird like that. And so here he comes back with the wrench. He gives it to the goon and the goon's like, hey, buddy, remember when you slugged me with that brick hand? Yeah, that was funny. And then we see he slugs Hellboy with the wrench. And the wrench is one of the goon's weapons. That's like a thing. That's like a signature. Yeah, in the comics. Yeah. When When he hands him the wrench and he says for Jeffrey, that's referring to his... He's like, you killed my lover, Jeffrey. They said that, like, your kind, implying that there were demon devil guys running around in World War II in the Goon universe. Oh, okay. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Your kind killed my Jeffrey when he was in the war. He was the love of my life. I forgot to mention that in the beginning. I think it's interesting how in this, like, last two panels, uh, Eric Powell suddenly starts using pencil. Yeah. Like, the background, and then... And I'm, unless I missed something, that's like the only time in the whole comic that I notice where he does that. No, yeah, and then the panel where he's holding the wrench is all pencil. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. I wonder if that's like marking the transition, that yeah. the transition's about to occur. Yeah. Um, that's really nice. But oh, I, I think that's what I was talking about, though. There, the, When you're reading the comic, there are some panels or some parts that kind of look like that, where it's got a different style. I didn't realize it was all penciled, but... That's amazing. It's great to have you on the on the show, Ross, to point out things like that. Well, it's like as soon as like the old man hands the wrench to him, like the background becomes pencil, but Hellboy and Goon are still ink. Well, right. it's like that in the if you notice the beginning yeah. of the story, it's like that it transitions oh. from Mignola's I mean, art but, into but kind it, of a pencil sketchy thing, and then it goes into that kind of um, blendy kind of color wash thing, the psychedelic type of deal. I'm going back to like the first two. After the octopus crashes, the background's all in pencil. Yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, it's neat. What kind a neat of, effect. Kind of reminds me of um, like what um, Duncan Fogredo was doing in Midnight Circus. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. So then uh, when the goon hits him, then all of a sudden he's back in the Mignola reality. We've got the colors by Dave Stewart and the pencils by Mignola again. And it seems like, like, did it all happen in a second? Or because it seems like the, the spike is still in the air. Well, I, I feel like it just all happened in that brief second because, like, he got punched into the world and he got punched out of the world. Yeah. And his punch out is the fall from the punch. Yeah, he's right. in a different yeah. reality. It's like an interstellar when they go on that horrible water planet. Okay. <laughs> and every second is an hour or whatever the hell. Nice. I was going like, to say it's like Connecticut's Yankee and King Arthur's Court. Okay, and, okay. You know, 
the guy bumps his head and next thing you know he's in king arthur's court <laughs> right and then um here does the spike fall back into the comic yeah to me it looks like the comic just disintegrates into oh that. you're right yeah that was mm-hmm. that's what was keeping it i guess preserved is that spike or something um and so hellboy's just left there again in front of that stove with the skull in it We'll just pretend that didn't happen. And it's so dark. The last panel is so dark, but there's a little crown. Yeah. On top of the the octopus. I love seeing that. That's a great final panel there for Mignola. I just love these kind of like weird ending shots. Here's just an octopus. Did it really happen? All this kind of yeah, I like that. Hellboy's little comment at the end there is sort of how I feel about most of the crossovers. Yeah. It's sort of like Yeah. it's amusing, but it's like uh, taking the piss out of Hellboy a little bit, I feel. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes, exactly. I, I would totally agree with for that. For sure. And, and I think also um, that's a good way for Mignola to also say like, hey, maybe this isn't really part of the thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is just its own. It's a cute, adorable way to, in the story, be like, well, I guess that's not canon. Okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so what'd you think of the Hellboy goon? Canon or no? I'm just no, kidding. I'm not no, going to do we're that. Not doing that. <laughs> well, I mean, I've re- we've retired that bit forever. Again, with with the little bit of the goon that I've read, I get the impression that the goon is the comic that Mignola sort of wished Hellboy could have been, Aww. where it's a little more loose and it can kind of just it's a little loosey goosey. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't have to. Um, it can jump the shark multiple times in an, in an issue, and it's yeah. fine. Right. Um, but then, obviously, you know, Mignola being such a great storyteller, he he couldn't help he went, himself. He had to do some epic shit. Yeah. And yeah, once once the uh, you know he the genie was out of the bottle, right? Yeah. He spent his whole career after that trying to put the genie back in the bottle, and the genie just kept getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. That is such a great way to talk about that because. I mean, ultimately, that's what he did with Hellboy and Hell. He's like, I got to take him to Hell now so I can actually do weird shit like puppet shows and all this, you know, all that stuff that he kind of wanted to do initially. And still, even then, he, because in the interviews and stuff around the time when he started Hellboy and Hell, he definitely was like, this is going to be different. And then, uh, you know, like four issues in, it became clear that, nope, there's a story here. There's something... Can't help himself. Something he's going to get to. So I, I kind of feel like this is the kind of thing where I have not read The Goon. So I feel like this is the kind of story I got thrown in on. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And then when I, when I was starting to kind of grasp what was going on, I got thrown back out. Oh, okay. And, um, I thought the artwork was really good. and um, But I also kind of feel like it was kind of like, because this is like, it was issue seven of The Goon. I feel like it, I feel like it was definitely something Mignola enjoyed and he wanted to give a sales bump to the comic mm. so so he's like hey let's do a hellboy crossover and issue seven along those lines like if, if the purpose of these crossovers is to uh introduce the fans of one creator or comic to the other this one intrigued me enough that i went ahead and got the first volume of the goon to see more of kind of what's going on right uh, so, so in in that aspect, does it work as a Hellboy story for me? Not really, but yeah. but did it make me interested enough that I will check out some more of the Goon? Yes. I, I didn't hate it, but I also 
it didn't make me want to go check out the goon. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. Don't, okay, don't get me wrong. I know everybody. I know it's a lot of people. For everybody, it's not everybody's thing. Yeah, that's fair. Well, not everything is for everybody, but the fact that you gave it a fair shot and read it and, um, you know, oh, yeah. enjoyed it for yeah. what it was is, you know, there it is. Yeah. And there you go. There you go. <laughs> For our next story, we're going to talk about Hellboy Beasts of Burden. This was never, published. Never, 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 never leave. Nothing? Yeah. There you go. Okay. This, <laughs> this story was published in October of 2010. It's written by Mignola and Evan Dorkin. And the art is by Jill Thompson. Letters by Jason Arthur. And there's also a Mignola variant cover to this by Mignola and Dave Stewart. It also says special thanks to Sarah Dyer. She is also an artist and she also does colors in some of the Weird Tale stories. And she's married to Evan Dorkin, the writer, and she often does color for his work. And if all those names sound familiar, Evan Dorkin and Sarah Dyer did professional help in the Weird Tales. That was the one where Roger was teamed up with that guy whose powers only work when the weather is nice or something like that. Um, so that was Evan Dorkin and Sarah I would love to see Dyer. that guy cast uh, in, in, in real life, like in a, yeah. in a, in a movie. You know what I, like I mean? The idea I would of that love guy. to see a guy playing that character. Like who, uh, and we even tried to cast him. Like there, there, I mean, there's just so many fucking hilarious he was actors fun. that would that do was a, a great character. job playing that horrible character. I love that character. What a great character. And uh, also the artist on this story is Jill Thompson. She did that story in the Weird Tales called 15 Minutes. I don't know if you remember that one, but it was like Hellboy was fighting this rat monster and the skeletons were extras. No, it's a gr- great art. And yeah. she was like casting yeah. them. She's a and great then, artist. Uh, so that was like, uh, that was a cool story from the Weird Tales. And so she's the artist on this. So I like this, you know, all these artists. And I wonder if that was why, you know, Mignola was like, I kind of like what you did on the Weird Tales. Let's do something else. Sure, let me yeah. let me promote your book now. And so you said this came out in October. Yeah, October 2010. Okay, so yeah, so it did come around, so around Halloween times. It's appropriate. And The Beast of Burden is a comic book series created by Evan Dorkin and artist Jill Thompson. It's published by Dark Horse Comics. The title centers on a team of intelligent animals that investigate different paranormal events that occur in their small neighborhood of Burden Hill. I like this little candle guy that's uh, in the title. Oh, yeah. When you turn the page into the title card. Yeah, that's a really nice detail. The initial group consists of five dogs and a cat. They are often seen consulting with wise dogs, local shaman elders of their community. So there's like shaman, shaman dogs. dogs, yeah, in the story. Wait, what? There weren't any shaman dogs in there. I want to read a story about shaman dogs. Well, I'll point it out to you. Okay. Yeah, but uh, That's you were talking interesting about interesting and cool. Why didn't we get a story about that? Well, uh, there's a little teaser at the end with the shaman dogs. We open this story in Lancaster County. Lancaster County is in southern Pennsylvania on the Susquehanna River. And um, I love his horrible vampire monster. I really like I the, love him. I, I love this opening page. I just think it's really comical because we're just thrown into this. Yeah. I, I, I imagine that Hellboy is chasing this vampire and he's just stabbed him in the back he's with like, a pitchfork. Hey, dumbass, where are you going? He doesn't realize that he's outside. Oh, good. So then he just starts burning up. That's such a great way to open this story. I really liked that's that. That's what you get, pal. <laughs> and um it's so sh- I, great. I i love jill thompson's art on this and um i was actually looking at some of these pages because um some of these pages are for sale 
but they they go for a lot of money because this is all watercolor. Yeah, the entire she like painted all this. Oh wow! Each page is totally painted, and it's really beautiful. I just think uh, the art intense. is amazing on this. I love the way she draws Hellboy too. Just like Ross was saying about the Eric Powell Hellboy, I think she kind of gets all the proportions right. You know, with the right hand of doom and everything. She did a great job with him, and she did a, she did a great job with the right hand of doom, but she did a great job with his face. Yeah. That's got to be tough. Just doing a book about animals that rides that line between realism and, you know, cartoony and anthropomorphic. Sure. Yeah. Like, that's a really difficult thing to do. And I imagine it would be, yeah. Some, you know, there's a... I there's a dog expression here and there that's a little bit much, but for the most part, it's animal acting. It's not. It's not animals with people expressions. Sure, if that makes any sense. No, wow, yeah. yeah, I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. I mean, that is difficult to kind of right. give them facial expressions without making it look like a Tom and Jerry cartoon or something like sure. that. Because yeah. you see, do- I mean, dogs have emotions and facial expressions. Obviously, like they. Their evolution is so closely tied within the past, like, whatever, 10,000 years was, like, uh, you know, humans and everything. And so they developed, you know, they look at your face and they check your emotional response and they can, like, my mom's dog. Sometimes his facial expressions are so, I can tell what, how he's feeling and what he's thinking. And it's very, you know, you can tell. So I, I agree, like, she, she does a good job of doing, like dog emotions but it's slightly heightened but it's not so much that it's like okay that's clearly anthropomorphic or cartoony or whatever so yeah oh i would i would definitely agree with that because like you know like i was reading this comic last night you got three dogs living with you you know all about this i had the three of them sitting on me and i was like yeah this this feels like real dogs that's a dog face yeah Yeah. but that's a dog face that seems sad or happy or whatever right that's Mm -hmm. that's interesting i do like all these upset amish people looking at the corpse of the vampire that's all burned up so there (laughs) is a large amish community in lancaster county so there is like some uh uh, relevance to that i like that yeah and then so as he's as hellboy's Uh, talking to them he's like uh, this dog starts pulling on his trench coat and he's like timmy's stuck in the well so that's a reference to Lassie, yeah. which was uh, oh. a TV show, you know, back in the day where that was a common trope right. of that. Well, where... when I was reading this, he's like, hey, is Timmy stuck in the well? Is the house on fire? Like later, though, when he's following the dog into the brambles and stuff, he's like, oh, hey, old yeller, slow down. That's clearly a Lassie reference before. What was, what's with the... Yeah. That's not an old yeller bit. That's a Lassie bit. The old yeller bit is horrible. You don't want to do that um. bit. Hellboy's like, has anyone seen this dog? Does anyone know whose dog this is? The Amish guy tells him, I don't know if I'd go into those woods if I were you. Folks say strange things happen in there. No shit. And uh, I just love this depiction of Hellboy when he's like, yeah. The and he's like lighting thing we his, see is he's really going cool. into the woods, yeah. Yeah, so he definitely follows the dog in there. Well, I'm definitely going in there for sure. And as he goes in there, he hears a howl. And so he's like, I don't like the sound of that. Can we get a little spooky howl? Yeah. Okay. I love this atmosphere. I mean, it's just really beautiful when you look at like the trees and just the colors and everything. It's just really nice. And one thing I thought was interesting is that dog leads him into there, but he's not one of the characters. Maybe he's a ghost dog. Yeah, I thought what, that was interesting. What what is one, one thing I know? So I've I've read a little bit of the first volume of Beasts of Burden. Okay. And like, yeah, dogs come and go, and there's a lot of like cat and dog deaths that i was not expecting horrible so, yeah 
just as a warning to anyone who might be like listening to this or reading this and be like, oh, I'm going to check out that book. Like it's it's a horror comic. Mm. It does not it's sound like something I'd be interested in. Dogs, no. but it's definitely a horror comic. Wow. Okay, so um, thank you for that heads up because this actually did kind of intrigue me to go yeah. further. Yeah, and if you're yeah, you I know, was sensitive like, to that. One of the short stories that I read had like zombie dogs that, that they get attacked by. Wow. Huh. Jeez. So Hellboy comes across the Beast of Burden crew. And so there are all these different factions. These are the apprentices in the story right they think that hellboy's the devil so they get scared of him when they see him and then this one black cat comes over and that black cat says calm down everyone whatever he is he's no threat so this one is dimphna a former witch's familiar nice nice that's the black cat so the black cat like is like oh i know that he's like good because i used to be a witch or whatever i used to work with a witch so i know stuff one of the short stories deals with that cat. Actually, I think two of them explain where that cat came from. I like, nice. the, I like the cautious body language of the cat. Like, that's a yeah. cat that's like, mm, I don't know about this. I'll say that that black cat has experience with demons. Right, oh, right. Okay, well, okay, that's cute. Cool. That's cute, then. That, that, that's a cute little inside kind of a thing. That's neat. You know how much I love seeing Hellboy's feet? We get a, such a super clear, oh, yeah. super clear shot of his foot here. I love the little cloven hoof. I, I want to talk about this later because uh, there's another nice design choice on Hellboy that we'll get to. I'm such a fan of the spats and the cloven hoof, and she she really does it up good here. There's Pugsley. That's the little pug dog. Very outspoken, snarky, and cynical. I love the little faces he makes. Yeah, and so he's very expressive, and faces. he's like, oh, no, this guy, the devil in short pants. I don't know about this. <laughs> I love this as we cut over. We get this one panel of just the moon with the tree. I really love that. It's so beautifully drawn. That is a really beautiful panel it would make a good bookmark yeah and uh, this whole page is really great i really enjoy this as hellboy you know he's getting their story he says are you sure you don't know that dog the one that's howling he's not one of us hellboy and he's not a wise dog or he'd have answered our call for help exposition corner and he's like wise dog and they're those are the shaman dogs they're in a secret society of dogs born uh, sworn to protect and defend burden hill but we're not hanging out with those dogs we're hanging out with a different, less cool set of dogs who aren't shamans <laughs> for some reason. And they investigate the paranormal. Yeah, just like you, Hellboy. And he's like, the cats too? Um, yeah. And then there's just he a takes beat. A beat, yeah. As he like, takes a drag of a cigarette, and he's like, okay. okay, got it. All right. I'm in. I love it. I dig that. That's cute. Really nice. Uh, yeah, I definitely love that beat because it's just like, Hellboy's like, mm-hmm. You can see him like thinking about the whole thing while he's, smoke- while he's taking that drag, and he's like, all right, got it. All right, let's What's go. What's our mission? He's just rolling with it. Yeah. I kind of remember, like, on the last episode, you guys were talking about how you have the, the audience proxy character. Yes. Who, who's, like, the most basic, no personality. They're just there. <laughs> people explain Reacting to, to shit, yeah. So, like, how how great is it that Hellboy is, is the audience proxy character where he's going into this world of talking cats and dogs? Yeah. Exactly. And, and he's... This, this big red demon guy is easing us into this story. Yeah. yeah. We're relating to him <laughs> the most. That's a really great way to describe yeah. it. Too. Yeah. And but so we so we love Hellboy, right? And we're we're all in on him. And if he's like, sure, okay, then that's us. We're like, okay, 
If well, if Hellboy right. thinks it's cool, right? Yeah. He's the coolest guy here, so I'm gonna go with that. They lead Hellboy into this tunnel where they say they found three cats all killed in some sort of ritual. Boo! And they're trying to figure out what that was. One of their other dogs, Miranda, is missing. She went to report to the society, and that was two weeks ago, and no one's heard of her since. She's one of these shaman dogs. They take Hellboy to the entranceway of this car. And everything's all messed up in there. I guess that's where um, they found the dead cats. And they're kind of looking around. There's this hole where all the rats went through. And so Hellboy tells him to step back. And he like he's able to tear the wall down. So that way they can go check out what's in there. I really love the this panel of Hellboy kind of pulling this wall off or whatever. Um, yeah. I just really like the body language. That, yeah, yeah, the action there is really um, super dynamic. He's got a glove there on the left hand. I noticed on the first oh, panel, yeah, yeah he yeah. has a glove. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. He's had it this whole entire time? Yeah, since the, the, since the, the no. very first panel he had Well, it. in the last page when they go into the like thing. But then, okay, the very next page, he's not wearing the glove. It's like he's taking it on and off in between panels. Because I see it, though. Oh, yeah, you're right. He has it on in the first panel, but then he's taking it off, and then he has it back on again. Because when he's smoking smoking the cigarette, he's he's not going to glove. Well, you don't want cigarette smoke in the glove material. I mean, that's going (laughs) to... No, seriously, it's going to smell terrible. I mean, you don't want that. It's right on your hand. I mean, that's... That's a, that's a nice little detail. In the Beast of Verdant universe, he wears a glove. Wolf and Jenna forever. A, a carving in the wall there as they're going through this kind of, I guess, crime scene. They can't believe that people live down there. It's all trashed. Um, and I just really love the art in this. So we get this one little kind of uh, foreshadowing. We see Pugsley and next to him there's like a skull. And we think it's like some of these remains that are there. But we'll see that has like another part to play in the next page. As they're investigating, one of the skulls starts to come out of the wall. Skull golems. Oh, no. And so that's another one of the reoccurring baddies, I think, in, in this universe, right? I haven't seen them in any of the other comics I've read. But like I said, I've only read like first half of the. Oh, the okay. I, I thought that maybe um they were in some of the other issues. I could be wrong, though. I haven't read uh, a lot of this stuff. These are the perfect things for Hellboy to smash. This art is amazing as the skull golems like shoot dirt out of their eyes and mouth it's just the really cool is psyched he's so psyched <laughs> and they're like hey are you are you okay he's like i'm great look at this uh you ever see anything you know he's a skull cracking machine he's psyched look at his face yeah he's pumped and i love hellboy just cracking these guys it is so dynamic the action on here i really love this jill thompson artwork on these pages I also like this one dog is like got his mouth all around the skull of one of these skull golems <laughs> Where's that? Oh, yeah. On the previous page. Yeah, oh, so the yeah. the dogs go into action. So this one... Um, is that an ace? That's the husky ace. He's courageous, and he was also bitten by a werewolf. Oh, shit. So, yeah, maybe he's like a little bit tougher nice. than the other ones. Yeah. The Jack Russell Terrier, Whitey, he gets taken by one of the skull golems into the wall. So I thought that part was kind of scary, because they take him in there, and then the wall is solid yeah, again. So they're like, oh, no, we can't dig him out. And this is a this is a story where we've seen dead cats. Yeah. So, you know, they're not above killing a fucking dog, which right. I'm immediately, like, gross and scared they're going to kill a dog. I'm not pumped about this. And they hear somebody singing, 
aware, aware has my little dog gone. I want to point out that Hellboy put the pug in his, in his uh, pocket. jacket pocket, and <laughs> that is fucking adorable. I, 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 didn't, I, I didn't catch that. That's a great detail right there. He's also got the orange tabby cat on his shoulder. That is the orphan. And I love this because as they go in there, the orphan says, oh, crap. Yeah, that's what I was thinking Hellboy says. That's his line. Yeah. That's what he says. And so there's this evil lady in there, and she's got Whitey at knife point. Yeah, no. This is where I'm like, okay, we're not stabbing dogs. That's not what's happening. I love this effect with her hair, too, because it's like, has she grown into whatever? Yeah, that's cool. You know, the background. And then there's a skull in front of her, and then there's like an outline of a person. Like, that's the person's head or something. A lot of really weird imagery. I I do like this panel, though. I think it kind of like, it does make you wonder, you know, what is happening here. And it all looks really, really amazing. Oh, yeah. The the artwork in this panel is just so much to take in. You just have to stop and just kind of drink it all in. Right. That's cheap heat. If you're gonna have a if you're gonna have a heel, you're gonna be like, oh well, they stab dogs. Well, yeah, obviously no one's gonna like that. Right. Character. Well, yeah. Like, yeah, and on. she does kind of like puncture him a that little is bit. Cheap heat. Yeah, man. That's, that's that's harsh on that little baby. And some of the blood starts to drip onto the skull, the one that that's in front of her. And this voice starts coming out of the skull. And they say, it's that stupid zombie warlock guy. Are you familiar with that, Ross? It's a, they say, um, the one we killed twice. So I yeah, guess this I is like a reoccurring character, maybe. Yeah, I haven't gotten to that. What what I've read has been little little short stories that were kind of like the prelude or whatever to when they actually did the first miniseries. Oh, okay, nice. Yeah, I'm not familiar with this character, but I guess um, this zombie guy is someone that they've encountered before. And then we get like a backstory from the woman. She says, uh, so we see like they were some punk kids. And they had Cheryl and Carl forever. She says, it should have been me who brought you back. I'm sorry. I just couldn't escape that damn hospital in time. When I got to Burden Hill, our friends found me. They told me what happened and gave me your spell book. And we see those skull golems there. There's just a lot to infer that I guess uh, this zombie guy was in control of these guys. He had a spell book. They guided her into the tunnels and kind of taught her how to bring him back. There's only one thing left, the final sacrifice. And so we think that she's going to kill Whitey, the little puppy. I like this little detail of the reflection of Hellboy and the orphan in the knife. But instead of killing the dog, she slits her own throat. Good. And it goes all over. So this is where I was like, holy shit, because you were like... You were asking me, is this for kids? You know, is this like with the little dogs and cats? I opened the I opened the book up and I was like, oh, is this like you know, is this like for kids? Like you know, like where they have like a tiny Hellboy. What is it called? Itty bitty, right? Yeah, baby Hellboy or whatever. It's like, oh, is this like a kid story? No, it is not. It is not a kid story. It is not. I just noticed on this page when she hunch like falls over, the tree roots are all bloody, like they were growing inside yeah. of her. Oh, yeah. right. They detach and, uh, yeah. What a grisly detail. Wow. Grizzly's the word for it. Everything starts caving in, and so they have to get out of there. They get Whitey, and they all get out. And just as they're about to leave, we see Pugsley. He's the one who's been protesting the whole time. He goes up to the skull with blood all over it. It's still talking and saying all this stuff. And he kind of, there's his expression, right? We're, we'll come back to that. that. Panel. Love that face. Okay. I had a suspicion of what was going on, and I'm glad that 
<laughs> a couple pages later, I'm right? Yes. I, Ross, I was going to say the exact same thing. Awesome. I know that face. That's, that's great. And so they're like, what is he doing in there? But finally he comes out and he's got the books. They're like, oh, he's got the book. We, we see it in his mouth. And um, I like how Hellboy's like, nice work, boy. He kind of picks him up and pats Aww. him. Yeah, but I guess this is the character that's always um, whining and outspoken. So all, everybody else is also surprised that he actually did something. He's like the shaggy of the group or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, he, like he really shouldn't be there. he's tagging along anyways right as they're exiting the cave they hear something they hear all this squeaking and they're like oh you know we are so dead and it's all these little mice and then so are are these like demonic mice or something ross because i felt kind of this was another part i was kind of like wait a minute they're gonna burn all these mice on the first page with like the witch there's a bunch of mice around her and there's like a big giant rat behind her. So I'm assuming that she was, they were like her minions or something. Oh, you're right. Yeah, you're absolutely right. So I guess those were minions of the witch or of that skull thing. Let's say that they were magical yeah. manifestations and not actual real animals. One of the short stories had a bunch of frogs that merged together and they called it, what do they call it? <laughs> like a... An act like a compound demon or an aggregate demon or something okay, like that. Okay. Because like all the individual frogs formed together made the demon frog. So maybe that maybe that's the same thing going on with these mice. Yes. Let's say that that's what happened. Let's say they're not actual mice because I've met mice and I like them. But as they come out, they're like, "Great dog in heaven! I can't believe we made it!" And we see Hellboy. They're like, "Thanks to Hellboy." And Hellboy, is he like doing a little dance there or is he just running? Like, I just really like this pose and I like the proportion of his little legs, too. Yeah. I just really li- enjoyed that characterization. Panel, uh, characterization, yeah. yeah. There's all this great dog body languages. They all kind of swarm him the way dogs do when they're happy. I, yeah. do, I do like that. And they're like, oh, cut it out, guys. You're acting unprofessional. But oh no, the evil wasn't defeated. We see this giant kind of rock monster thing. And That's so it's a cool fucking design. Yeah, and remember it had that outline of the guy, so it's like literally the floor of the cave yeah. like came up. I'm digging this design. Really nice. And so Hellboy goes up to it and he delivers right hand of Doom Boom number forty two. We actually get a boom in this as Hellboy's fighting this rock monster, but then it booms him right back. I like how in that top panel, one of the dogs is saying, not again. They've experienced something similar to this oh, yeah. before. <laughs> well, they, they did say that they killed that guy twice, so. Yeah. Oh, right. I wonder if it was the same kind of manifestation. Hellboy says, you don't know who you're messing with, pal. Compared to the things that have knocked me around, you're nothing. And so he hits off the front of this thing, and it has the bloody skull underneath. I think that is a great yeah. design. That was, like, really messed up. And then we get another amazing right hand of Doom Boom number 43, two within the span of a couple pages. He's all akimbo. Yeah, I really like that as he breaks apart this monster. But not only is it a right-handed doom boom, it's also a spoken boom. Pugsley is so like emulating him. He's yeah. Like, he's like, oh, that's so cool. Oh, boom. Yeah. That's so cute. <laughs> I, I love when Pugsley's like, boom. Yeah. He's yeah. imagining that he's like as badass as Hellboy there, maybe. As all little dogs do. Sure, sure. And then here they're like, why was he so mad at you, Pugs? He's like, because he peed on him, right? They're like, oh, that's unbelievable. Do you know that what you did? You contaminated the blood ritual. That's why the stone golem was flawed. So, hey, FYI, if you ever want to disrupt a ritual, just pee 
on it, Wait, and then there okay. you go. <laughs> a blood ritual, just go ahead and pee on it. There you go. It messes up the whole thing. In the aftermath, Hellboy sees that other dog that he kind of followed in there, and he starts walking towards it, and they're like, where are you going? Pugsley doesn't want him to go, and he's like, stay there, boy, I'll be right back. No, the face that he makes. But So it's like, because he told him to stay, like he has to do that, you know what I mean? There's a lot implied there. It's really cute. And so Hellboy sees those Amish guys again. He reaches into his pocket for his matches, but he doesn't have them. He has the book, and so he's kind of like, oh, crap, they probably could have used this. So he has the book that Pugsley took out of there. Sorry, guys, good luck. Give him hell. So I guess when he crossed over, like, is he not able to go back anymore? I don't anymore? understand what's going on here. Yeah. I don't get this. It, it just seems like the kind of that's the kind of framing device where you just kind of walk into a place, a spirit guide to let him to where it needed to be, and then when the mission was done, let him back to where he was going. So when we cut over this little last page, 78 miles from Burden Hill, these are the shaman dogs. Okay, so these are the these are the shaman dogs. This is what the this is what this last scene is. I do feel like it was the gray dog is the one that led Hellboy. Right. Yeah. No, it is. I think that this is kind of um So was he being like a he was astral projecting and that uh fucked him up somehow and that's why he died cuz he was trying to help Hellboy? Just like Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I also think like uh, if Hellboy hadn't been there, the apprentices wouldn't have survived that mission. Sure. So I think like yeah. that was his final act okay. was because yeah. the, the story is called Sacrifice. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like that was a sacrificial act to lead Hellboy so that way okay. they could all live. I did not catch that. Like the first time I read this, I was just, what is happening right now? What yeah. Is... So that middle tier, do you notice something about that guy laying on the floor? He's got a lobster claw oh, branded wow. on, his forehead. Oh, on his forehead. I didn't even notice that. Amazing. So, so they, say, they say ever since he led his first back in 36, when he kept a champion with us two full days and Professor Finch was put down. So they got the lobster to come kill this evil magician guy back in 1936. Nice. Damn. Oh. That's awesome. What a great catch, Ross. I totally glossed over that. I didn't even see the little lobster claw there. That's amazing. So the shaman dogs are in league with the Damn. lobster. Nice. I want to see that story. I want to see the lobster yeah. with the with the <laughs> beast of burden shaman dogs. Justice. Amazing. Thank you for pointing that out. What a great way to wrap up this story. It's super sad though. I don't want to see sad dogs. I don't want to oh, see yeah. it. Pugsley's all sad at the now end. Now is not the time to Hellboy's argue. Gonna... Now we must pay respect to a great leader and lament the loss of a friend. A dead dog. Don't you love reading about dead dogs? Well, a dead dog, and then also Pugsley is lamenting the loss of a friend, Hellboy, that he just met. Aw, poor babies. Yeah. For this last issue, we're going to read Fearless Dawn Meets Hellboy. This was published in September 2020, so this just came out uh, just a couple weeks ago. This is probably the earliest, most recent release that we've ever discussed on the podcast. And it also had a variant cover by Steve Mannion, story and art by Mignola and Steve Mannion. In 1994, Mannion began to work in the professional comics field, securing a day job in the DC Comics bullpen and working on his own freelance projects at night. In 98, Mannion left DC to freelance full-time and has been doing so ever since, which includes working on his creator-owned title, Fearless Dawn. Colors by Dave Stewart. And so we open up the story in Romania. 
And so Romania is notable because that's where Wake the Devil took place. Um, classic. Yeah, there you go. Ross was talking about when we read the Hellboy Goon, the difference in Mignola's style, you know, because we had the framing story on that one. And then we also have a framing story on this one. And yeah, I have to agree. It's, um, it's very different. And the colors by Dave Stewart are so amazing. I feel like even that style has developed a lot. Yeah, I really like these framing pages with all the crazy like pipes and stuff is excellent. That's the type of stuff I like to see him Mignola draw. Yeah, I love this guy in the spacesuit too. That's a really cool design. Hellboy comes across this guy in a spacesuit and he's holding a photograph. Well, now that's something Hellboy says. What's this, pal? Girlfriend? And then so we see the actual photo. It says, for Betty with love, FD. So that's Fearless Dawn. As he's looking at the photo, it looks like all the dials in the suit kind of start going. I didn't notice this when I was reading this the first time, but the the character is sitting on top of Hellboy in the picture. Yeah. So she's kind of like on top of Hellboy's shoulder or sitting on his head or something like that. So he's like, hey, who's the... Yeah, that's kind of weird to see yourself in the picture. All of a sudden, there's a flash of light. And then Hellboy's transported into the Fearless Dawn universe. And so just like in the Goon crossover, we kind of get that same feel here. So Fearless Dawn, I don't know a whole lot about this character. I actually tried to look her up and um, who the additional characters are, what their names are. And I couldn't really find any of the additional characters, like any descriptions of any of them. Do you know anything about this character, Fearless Dawn? No. I was kind of at a loss with this one, to be honest. I was like... Yeah. The least familiarity with the creator and the character. Yeah, and so these people are also paranormal investigators or something, but it's, um, this comic is like, it seems like it's kind of like cheesecake and heavy metal style, I guess. Um, I was trying to, like, kind of put my finger on it. I read Tank Girl. There you go. Yeah, it is kind of like a Tank Girl. Yeah. It's kind of like, yeah, who is it? Is it Jamie Hewlett who did? Yeah. Girl, yeah. And then and then with a little bit of that Richard Corbin. Yes. Yeah. Coming in. Yeah, it does have a Richard Corbin feel to it. And so of course we get a scene where they're like, Oh, who's this giant seven foot red guy? Hellboy explains that he's a paranormal investigator, and they're like, Oh, well, we also do paranormal stuff. And we've got this little guy here with the dial. He says that Hellboy has ecto readings that are sky high. He came through an interdimensional wormhole or something. Um, But then they also see the rosary that he has. And so they decide that that's a blessing. So we have these, uh, we have this other character that's got like these scars, stitches across his face, which I thought was really weird. And yeah, this Fearless Dawn character, she's like a cartoon or something. You know, there's a lot of this pacing where she's like, oh, you've got a gun and what's this hand and you've got a tail. And it's all this kind of, I see it almost like animated or like kind of played out in that, in that kind of way. This definitely had a very like cartoony feeling, kind of like Invader Zim or something from Nickelodeon or something. Right. Yeah. I thought it was really weird how like they make a big deal describing Hellboy because traditionally part of the like subtle humor in Hellboy is nobody, nobody pays really attention. Yeah. Him. Yeah. And so in this comic where presumably most of the readers like us are more familiar with Hellboy, it seems like they were more focused on introducing him, not the Yeah. Character. That's yeah. a that's an interesting point. You're absolutely right. Is it Steve Mannion? Uh-huh. Or yeah, who are his fans who don't know who Hellboy is? Right. <laughs> And then there's this weird scene where the guy with all the stitches, he's making pancakes. It's an entire page. 
Yeah, and Hellboy's it's like, a oh, whole page. I smell pancakes. And then so they all eat pancakes together. Why is this a whole page? <laughs> that bottom panel where they're all just munching is just uh, hilarious. <laughs> But they so, so they decide that he's not a bad guy because he right. likes pancakes, too. Okay. As they're all eating their pancakes, Hellboy stands up and he sees this castle in the distance. And they say that that's where they're going. And Fearless Dawn says, and we could die, too. I'm going to level with you. There's Nazis up there. Nazis, Hellboy asks. Yeah, Nazis. You like Nazis, she asks. Nope. He decides that he's going to go down there and help them defeat these nazis together i do like this page as they kind of like get their guns ready or whatever all right let's bust up some nazi spooks and we get hellboy and fearless dawn back to back that's clearly a promotional shot you know what i mean but uh that that's one of those things that you never see in a hellboy or bprd comic no, though yeah that pin up the hero page. shot you the pin yeah, up, yeah exactly it really stuck out to me i thought it was uh very different from what we normally see the guy with the stitches in his head as he's like looking around he finds this panzer division the 666 panzer division metal and so panzer means tank there's this little weasley guy i guess he set a trap there he put the medallion there to lure them and as they get close, then he has one of those old-timey TNT things or whatever, right? Where they blow up the mm-hmm. dynamite. So they all get blown up, and he leads them back to the castle. And he goes in there, and he sees his master. So this is Dr. Skull. This is the guy with the green. And he's like, oh, they're coming, master. And he's got, like, some sexy Nazi ladies or something. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of weird too. The I don't know. It's like I don't a, understand. Like, are we supposed to think Nazis are cool and sexy? I that, think what is that's this? Like a very like grindhouse kind of pulpy. That's yeah. a, that's exactly what I was gonna say. Nazis like, are sexy and cool. Wasn't there is um, what I get from this? What on on the grindhouse movie? Wasn't there like a Nicolas Cage trailer where it was like zombie Nazi werewolves or something like that? And it I kind of re- that. it kind of reminded me of something like this. The the main villain guy kind of looks like a updated version of a golden age type of villain, just very basic. Yeah, he's like a Frankenstein Nazi guy. Yeah. yeah, and he's got this book that he's reading out of. So I guess like this book is some sort of powerful relic. This panel made me fucking uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. I did not. I, I did not like looking at it. The impression that I get is that the artist had a really fun time drawing cool, fun, sexy ladies and And their Nazis. I just want to zip up their outfits. I mean, I I just... I was actually really kind of enjoying the story until we got to this. Yeah, part. this is gross. Okay, just wasn't my thing, and that's not. I'm not trying to say anything bad about any of the creators at all. Everyone's got different tastes, etc. This part, I am just not really a fan of. Not a good look. He says, "Many years ago, the 666 Panzer Division rode undefeated into battle. Today, they ride again." And so one of them says, "Didn't they get their asses kicked in Stalingrad?" Shut up, he says. There was a Battle of Stalingrad. This was in uh, 1942 and 1943. Germany and its allies fought the Soviet Union for control of the city of Stalingrad. The German offensive was made up of the 6th Army and elements of the 4th Panzer Army. So that is a thing, you know, Stalingrad and the Panzer Division. Dr. Zombie, or what was his name? Dr. Skull. He reads from the book and he raises this army of the dead. So we see the... The Panzer Division, evil Nazi zombies come out of the ground. And this is very Richard Corbin. I feel like this is very kind of like um, creepy magazine, you know, kind of stuff like that. Creep show. They start to crawl out of their graves towards the Fearless Dawn group and Hellboy. And so they all start attacking them. I do like this where Hellboy's like, guess you got to hit a dude with another dude. (laughs) 
That's a good panel right yeah, there. That's pretty good. The Stitches guy gets all the explosives so that way he can blow stuff up and the rest of the Fearless Dawn crew fight the zombies. And so this is just like a good bit of action. There's like, again, we don't see this a lot in the Hellboy comics, the pinup where they're all shooting all the zombies and all the sound effects and stuff like that. I do really like the lettering of all the sound effects. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it reminds me of that one Lobster Johnson comic where all the uh, bolts are ricocheting off the pirate ship. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. El Bogavante. Uh, I, I think this is a great pinup and all that, but I mean, it's just like I'm sitting here looking at this picture and they're all firing away and Hellboy shooting his gun. I'm like, Hellboy ain't fucking hitting any one of those motherfuckers. He's a terrible <laughs> shot. And then Dr. Skull comes down in his tank with the sexy ladies. I'm really getting sick of these guys, Hellboy says. And so he jumps up in front of the tank and he gets full on like just totally shot in the chest. Have we ever seen that? That's, yeah, weird. Where he just gets shot and he's bleeding and he just keeps going. I mean, we have seen that. Have we seen that? Not like that. Yeah, I know like Mignola's had him shot full of holes before. I'm thinking but of not, like but uh, not like in the chest though. Yeah, like I'm thinking Conquer Worm. He goes up against a minigun, but he's like blocking it with the right hand of Doom. I think. Yeah, I just thought that was interesting. This kind of action beat. I do like it. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's a, we're in a super wacky Nazis are sexy universe. So she's like Hellboy's gone totally berserk, and so we see Hellboy. He's destroying everything. He punches Doctor Skull and knocks him right out in one hit, and then he destroys the tank. The Stitches guy, he goes to blow everything up, and then he gets stabbed in the back by that little Weasley guy that led them there, but he still gets away. And then again, we get another hero action moment as they all jump away from the blast, and then we see that the book that Dr. Skull was reading out of also got burned up in the blast. Later, dot, 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 we cut to the Fearless Dawn crew and Hellboy, and they're all having a drink and a good time. They're chanting on each other to keep drinking. I was trying to look at this bottle that Hellboy has. Is it like Devil's Whiskey or something like that? That That's just called whiskey. I mean, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I do like how they're chanting for him to drink. And as he keeps drinking, he starts falling over. And it's almost like he's falling out of reality, too. Because in this top panel, it looks like everything's kind of phasing out as Hellboy falls over. I do really like this page. That last panel of the close-up of Hellboy, like, feel like I've seen this guy's take on Hellboy before, or there was something in Weird Tales that was similar. Very patchy, and it's hard to describe, but... Yeah, I wonder if maybe he did one of the pinups or something like that. Yeah, maybe. As Hellboy falls over, we go back into the Mignola art. And so we've got the... As Hellboy falls over, he drops the photograph. What the hell was that, he says. And the photograph kind of burns up. And we also see that nazi skeleton it doesn't have the dome over so it had the you know it had that glowing dome everything was glowing yellow and then when hellboy snaps out of it it's all dark again there's no power to it so i thought that was interesting too and just like ross had mentioned earlier it's almost like a sequel to the goon one you know there's almost that same kind of idea the the photo burns and disintegrates like the comic did yeah exactly so out of this comic and the Goon comic, the, my favorite thing was actually the framing device of Hellboy investigating something in a familiar setting that we know. Then he goes on some weird, wacky adventure, and then he's knocked back into the real world. He's yeah. Like, I like the framing device on these. Yeah. The what the hell is I that? I love that panel. That is such a great panel right there. I think a lot of the fans were really excited about this just because 
this is the first Mignola Hellboy that we've seen in years. Like, this is current. You know, this just came out. So, you know, whether you're a fan of the Fearless Dawn story or not, I did like having the, you know, just some good Hellboy, Mignola, and Dave Stewart work on these, on the framing device and also on that sweet cover. Fearless Dawn meets Hellboy. So we had our crossovers. You know, last time we did our Batman, Starman, Hellboy, and the Hellboy Ghost. And now here we did the uh, the Goon, Beast of Burden, and this one, the Fearless Dawn. Which uh, which crossover did you like the most? Did you like any of those crossovers? They were fine. Okay. <laughs> They're fine. The one that worked for me the most was the Beast of Burden one. Although I definitely agree that the highlight out of all this is just seeing a, a few extra Mignola pages. Yeah. That yes. I haven't seen before. Um, I completely agree with that It was like to see some Mignola art. I think it's interesting how the Goon and the Fearless Dawn both have those framing devices and the Beasts of Burden one doesn't. Um, I cannot, like, the Beasts of Burden, again, from what I've read of it, fits comfortably within the Hellboy universe. So I don't know, maybe Mignola just didn't have the time or didn't care to draw pages for that one. But I kind of wonder if maybe that's a comment on his part of it the can stand Goon on its and own the Fearless or... Dawn. Yeah, like like those ones needed him to be like, hey, you know, these are my artist buddies. You know, I I'm doing this as a lark, and so here's a little goofy thing with Hellboy versus the Beast of Burden. Palling it up feels, yeah, feels like that one is meant to be a part of the Beast of Burden story. Like mm, it seems like it touched yeah. on something, some of the continuity. Um, Hellboy is canon in this talking dogs and cats. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I I kind of agree with you there, Rox, because I feel like out of the three, the, the Beast of Burden one is the one I'm most interested in looking up. I mean, and I know people love the Goon, and I don't know anything about Fearless Dawn, so I'm sorry for Fearless Dawn fans, Goon fans. But well, no, um, not everything is kinda, for everybody. Well, it's okay to not be but, interested but, in a thing. That's um, okay. But I do feel like Mignola was trying to give these guys a bump because he enjoys the story. Right. And he was just like, hey, I like these stories. They're not doing well. Let me throw a Hellboy in one of these, especially like Fearless Dawn, you can say, just came out like last month. I've never heard of this comic before. Right, even, right. I've never even heard of the comic company. Was it Albatross or something like that? Yeah, Albatross is the new, that's the new one that has the goon and it has a bunch of the Eric Powell stuff. So they all kind of have this feel to it where it's kind of like a throwback kind of comic book in the style and in the content. I'm always kind of curious how, like, some of these things get on his radar. Yeah. Um, there's a really, there's a comic that I really enjoy that was self-published by, I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, uh, Zay Bernay. Uh, oh, yeah. Canada. Okay. And and Mignola did a little uh, pinup sketch in that one. And that guy's art style is super detailed and naturalistic. So it's, it's just interesting to see the different artists that Mignola gravitates to. Yeah. Pretty eclectic, but you can kind of you can kind of see the things that he would be drawn to. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I always think it's interesting what kind of team ups we get here. And there are some other crossovers that I haven't totally read. I know there's like a Savage Dragon Hellboy and some other ones. Maybe that'll be next year or something like that. An issue of Madman, but it's it's more of like a cameo. Oh yeah, I've read that one too. It is kind of like he just passes by for a little bit. Anyway, I enjoy these crossovers. I think they're fun to get into, and I really appreciate Ross being on the episode. Thank you so much, Ross. And uh, thank you for joining us. Yeah, that was fun, and I hope that we can have you back on another episode where we're doing some more kind of canon stuff. 
I'm really excited to get to the end of your Kickstarter, you know? Yeah. And, and so everybody, please check that out this week. This is your final week, so please support Ross and get us some extra content in that book. You know, I'm pretty excited about that. Thank you, guys. Yeah, this was fun. It, yeah, it was fun hanging out with you and talking to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for being here with us, Ross. I've mentioned it the last time I talked to you guys, but it's fun having someone to nerd talk with. <laughs> definitely, definitely. <laughs> definitely. None of, none of the people that I work with are, you know, be face-to-face with you know, Hellboy or anything. So Yeah, we'll, Whatever definitely, you want to talk about, we'll definitely have you back on yeah. for some of our canon stuff. We're going to be getting into some really good stuff next week. And now Aubrey's going to say all the things. Aubrey's going to say all the things. All right, everybody. That was our Hellboy crossover spectacular. <laughs> Hear what you thought by sending us a hey you damn guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com and you can follow us on Facebook at Hellboy Book Club Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Hellboy Book Club. You can also find all of our resources on our Facebook About section and our Podbean website. As always, a special thank you to Paul from Garderhorn for the lovely theme music. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Mark Udell, for helping out with the reading order. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, John, for being an editing wizard. Thank you, Danielle, for being a badass badass. <laughs> I didn't do anything. And thank you, Ross, for joining us today. You can find our podcast on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcast from next week we are reading and i'm excited about this one bprd the devil you know messiah part one so you know what to do get out those back issues get out those trades open that omnibus is there an omnibus if there's not wait until they buy it and then open it damn it and join us next week on the hellboy book Cup podcast thanks for listening everybody i'm john salinas i'm eating some spooky candy I'm Ross Radke. And I'm Aubrey Love is saying. In fact, he smells disgustingly noble. Happy Halloween, everybody. Happy Halloween. Yay. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.